He declared the end from the beginning. Amen? And if that's the case, then he knows every single thing about us, which puts him in a category all of his own. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, the, the faith, the prophet, prophet and priest and king, the priest. He is the priest, the high priest, the only priest. There's no other man that is the priest but Jesus Christ. He is the priest. He is the one that was able to offer the most pleasing sacrifice, which was himself. There was nothing else that he could offer but himself to redeem man, fallen man, from the wickedness of their sin and the depravity that they, <laughs> they are. So we have the prophet being able to declare at the end from the beginning the priest who is able and only the priest able to mediate on our behalf to offer a sacrifice that's pleasing to the Father and we know that that was Christ himself. He's the priest but he's also the sacrifice. And then we have the king. The king. All dominion in heaven and in earth has been given to him. If, if he is for us, who can be against us? If we are hid in the hand of the Lord, who can take us from Him? And the truth is, is nobody. And for these reasons, the prophet, the priest, the king, for these reasons that I thought about it, we should have a heart to praise Him. Amen? We should absolutely have a heart to praise Him because He fulfills these perfectly and so much more than just those. But... He does. He fulfills them perfectly. Acts chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 16. We're going to be reading 1 through 5. We are moving through Acts. Um, this is a passage of Scripture that is, is pretty important that we have to see. It's going to have everything to do with works. It's going to have everything to do with how we are to live, how we are to serve. Um, reading God's Word, understanding the teaching of the Word of God and what it means not being bound to some law, but being set free. And so we're going to read this, and, and I pray that you would stand with me. Acts chapter 16, 1 through 5. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Remember, we're continuing to travel, and uh, Paul and Silas come to a place. Barnabas is no longer there, and we are found here in Acts 16 and 1. Listen to what it says. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. They're talking about the council in the last chapter. Verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. May God bless the reading of His Word. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me do a really quick recap from last week, it, it's not a pretty thing when the church is at odds with one another at all. It's ugly. It's a terrible thing. Last week we looked at the great divide between Paul and Barnabas. Two men that loved the Lord but yet couldn't come to an understanding on 
on a man that they wanted, one wanted to take with them on their next missionary journey and the other one did not. We understand that in the home and in the church, these two places, in the home and in the church, disagreements will come, right or wrong. They will come. The only reason I mention these two and not the workplace and all these other places is because these are the two places that are set aside by God. Two places set aside by the Lord. The home and the church. And of all places, we should do our best to have unity. We should do our best to speak to each other in love in the home and in the church. Before we get anything else right, it needs to be right in the home and in the church. So many people place an importance on getting it right in the workplace and in the job. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's just not there. You're going to have disagreements at the workplace and at the job. But I want, I want us to understand is that you need to make sure it's right in the home and in the church. Especially there. We're to be good especially to those of the household of what? Faith. We looked at what happened with Paul and with Barnabas. It's a shame for Christians, Christian brothers to not walk in unity. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and this is going to come up later because this is exactly the place where Timothy was going to be later on in life. He was going to be pastoring this church. He was going to be moving from places to place, place to place, and Paul would tell him where he was to go, but he was going to be in this place. And listen to what it says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. See, the church at Ephesus had a lot of problems. Doctrinally, they had problems. They had problems in marriage. They had problems with getting along with one another. But listen to what it says here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, and here it comes. And this is what nobody likes. It's hard to do, bearing with one another in love. That's called to forbear. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This was given to the church at Ephesus. This was the place where Timothy would find himself later pastoring, leading this place. This is how we're to walk in the home and this is how we're to walk in the church. It's a shame that Paul and Barnabas had to split ways because of a, a terrible, terrible disagreement. Nevertheless, they did. And Paul picks up Silas and they move on. Chapter 16, 1 through 5, they move on and they move on from Antioch and Syria and they continue to go north and they get into Cilicia. And when they get into Cilicia, that is the area of Paul's hometown of Tarsus. And if you've got a map, please bring it up on your phones, in your Bibles, wherever. The second missionary journey, uh, they didn't go the same way that they did the first time. The second time, here they are moving north. And when he gets to Tarsus, he's already beginning to arch uh, left or west to Tarsus, and then he's going to be going northwest into the region of Galatia. It's not up there. <laughs> Nevertheless, into the region, I was thinking it was up there, and I was like, that's not up there. Into the region of Galatia. 
This is extremely important that we see Paul and Silas going to Galatia. All right. They travel and they come to the place where Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey ended, which is Derby. That was the last place that they went to before they turned around and went back through to disciple all of the people that they had just ministered to. So Paul and Barnabas go and they travel all the way to Derby, and when they get there, they turn around and they come back. That's their first missionary journey. The second missionary journey, they, he leaves Tarsus and he goes and he gets into Cilicia and he's heading northwest and he finally gets into Derby. This is the place where they left off at the first time. Paul also, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra is what verse 1 says. A disciple was there named who? Timothy. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Today, there are a couple of things that I want us to focus in on. The first thing that we're going to look at is the person of Timothy. It's going to speak absolute volumes to us. The person of Timothy. In those volumes that it will speak, I'm sure it will convict you. I'm sure it will step on your toes. It has stepped on mine uh, like you wouldn't believe. The person of Timothy. The region they were traveling through. We're going to look at that. And the extreme measures to take to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that. Let me say first that we must remember before we go any further that this is the land of Galatia. We know the letter. We know the land. We know Galatia by the letter written to the Galatians, written by the Apostle Paul, right or wrong. As a church, we've already went through that letter. And what's it about? There's a lot of things given in it, but primarily it is about the keeping of the law to obtain salvation and how that is wrong. Paul combats this and he goes against those Judaizers that are in that place because he knows it's wrong. The Judaizers had put a yoke of bondage on the people that they couldn't adhere to. Even the ones that were teaching couldn't adhere to it. It was wrong. So they're in this place... And this teaching was very, very prevalent that the keeping of the law is to obtain that justification. And we know that's just not the truth. In other words, you must do this, this, and this in order that you can receive justification. Just as if you never sinned. To stand right before the Lord. And we know that that is not true. So, let's move on. Keep that in the back of your mind, but let's move on. Verse 1 calls Timothy a what? A disciple. Listen to what it says. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there. And this is a wonderful title to be called. This would be something that I would just would revel in if somebody called me. Man, he's a disciple of Christ. You ever been called that before? Anybody? Anybody been called a disciple? I know it's an old word. But to be called a disciple, this, this is going to speak volumes to us. To have this title put onto a man or a woman is, is a huge deal. It shows us what? 
It shows us that he has submitted himself, he has lowered himself to the teaching of someone else. And in this case, we know that to be of Christ Jesus, not firsthand of Christ Jesus, but rather from the Apostle Paul when Paul came through on the first journey. But even more so than that, we go even further. Because you remember that this young man had a grandmother and he had a who? A mother. Second Timothy tells us that. He was raised by his grandmother and by his mother in the Word. He was raised and, and they, he knew he cut his teeth on the law. He cut his teeth on the Word of God and, and he cut his teeth on, on the promise that was to come. This was not something that was unrehearsed in his house. Even though his father had nothing to do with that, his father was not part of that. This man or this young man, he knew the promise to come. He was a disciple. He was following Christ, serving the Lord. He was a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. Don't ever underestimate the power of being a believer and that influence that you can have on someone else, ladies, especially you ladies, who spend time with that child from the time that they come out to the time that they leave the home. It won't be the father, it'll be the mother that's there in the middle of the night. Holding the baby. Tending to the baby. In our home, that's how it was. I slept right through everything. And Casey would get up and I don't know where I would find her at. She may be in this bed or that bed. I mean, she was there singing lullabies to the children. When they had their fevers. And here, here we have this grandmother and this mother who had invested in young Timothy. And young Timothy here is fixed to be snatched up by none other than the Apostle Paul. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? When you think about it. He was a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. This woman's name was Eunice and his grandmother's name was Lois. Both were said to be believers and faithful to the Lord in the first chapter in 2 Timothy. Timothy's father was a Greek, better known as a Gentile. This didn't say much for him if he was going to try to minister to the Jews. This would have made Timothy a reproach to the Jewish people. They would have not heard him. Not only would they have not heard Timothy, but they would have not heard anybody with Timothy because he was considered a Gentile. There's absolutely no way, no way possible that the Jewish people would have listened and found Paul, Silas, or Timothy credible in the gospel because of who Timothy was. Considered a half-breed, mixed. I don't know how they knew that, but they did. So Timothy came from a background and out of a relationship that was unequally yoked. Unequally yoked. This is, a, this is a big deal. We've talked about it before, being unequally yoked. And we're not talking about colors of skin. We're talking about those that know the Lord and those that don't. This is what it's talking about. 
Here in our text, we see a young man that came out of a relationship, out of a home that was unequally yoked. A mother and a grandmother serving the Lord and and pursuing the Lord with everything that they have and encouraging young Timothy to do the same. And then a father that's said that he was a Greek, Gentile. Doesn't even mention who he is. It just throws that out there. But he came from a relationship that was unequally yoked. And that's, that's kind of like a, yoking up a, a donkey and a bull to try to plow a field. It just doesn't happen. It, it doesn't work that way. So when you enter into marriage and you enter into a, into a, a covenant before the Lord that is one person is a donkey and one person is a bull you got two different mentalities, two different ways, and two things that go against each other, and it just doesn't work. Nevertheless, the Lord uses these things for His glory, does He not? Yes or no? Yes. The Lord uses these things for His glory. We should not write people off just because they come out of this home or out of that home. I want you to consider this. The Apostle Paul is choosing young Timothy who is broken or out of a broken home, choosing young Timothy to come and to serve him in the ministry. Timothy had been exposed to what can happen in a marriage and what can happen in a relationship that is not yoked with the Lord. And this would serve him greatly in, and the problems that can bring, and it will serve him greatly in the future. We know all things happen for a reason, especially those that are of God, those that trust in the Lord. I can know by the things that happened to me in my past, I didn't know how it would work out in the future. But as I get older, hindsight's always 20-20, and I can look back and I can see, oh, that's why I experienced that. Oh, this is why this happened with my parents, or this is why this happened with my siblings. It is aiding me that this is why I did this job or that job. The Lord was preparing my heart to be able to use these things in the ministry. And it's no different what he's doing with Timothy right here. He is preparing Timothy and using Timothy by this, this, this home that is unequally yoked. He's now going to be able to minister to young Timothy that would serve him in the future. And we know this because of what is written in the book of, uh, in the, book of the Ephesians. The letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians to the church at Ephesus where Timothy was over. What does he tell the the families to do there in Ephesus, there at the end of the chapter? Husbands, you are to love your wives. But Christ loved the church. Timothy would have known what this was like. Or better yet, what it wasn't like because of what he saw in his own home. And he saw the importance of husbands and wives loving each other and respecting each other. He says, wives, see that you reverence your own husbands. So there's a command to the man and there is a command to the woman. This would serve Timothy 
what happened in his home would serve him later as he would be serving there at Ephesus. So the Lord, the Lord knows what he's doing when a child grows up in this home or in that home, right? He works all things out for his glory. All things are for his kingdom. And we see that here, especially in the life of this young man. Verse 2 says, Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Lystra and Iconium. There we go. Y'all got it. Thank you. I didn't know that y'all put it up there. Uh, Lystra and Iconium. That's the first missionary journey. Can we, can, could you find the second one and we'll get back to it here in a second? Uh, Iconium is right there. Lystra and Derby. that's where they're at. And that's the area of Galatia. And this is, this is where they are. Timothy had a wonderful reputation. A wonderful reputation in this area of Lystra and Iconium. The scripture calls this type of person someone of good report. Right? Someone that is spoken of by others of good report. And this shows me that young, this young man, even at his age, and we don't know exactly how old he was, but even at his age as a young man, that he cared about, he cared about his name. Proverbs 20, 22 and 1, it's better, it's better to have a good name than riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Young Timothy cared about who he was. He cared about how people viewed him. This can be extremely uh, hard to hear at times. Because too often we hear people, and I've even said it myself, I don't care what they think. How many people have said that? I've said it. I don't care what they think. Because I'm just that hard-headed. Right? That's true. And we say that sort of thing all the time, and it just kind of flippantly, we throw it out there. But I want us to understand something, that everything that we say and everything that we do is a sign to the world outside and a sign to the church that's around us, whether we are children of God or not. Everything. And I am guilty as charged, man. Because this young man is making me look bad. He cared about his name. He cared about who he was. He had a good report with the people that was around him. His reputation was stellar and it was unspotted. Stellar and unspotted. Verse 3. Let's move on and as we continue to learn a little bit more about Timothy and who he is. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Notice here that the Apostle Paul desired that Timothy go with him. He didn't choose John Mark, did he? Yes or no? They had a big old fight over it back in the day, back at where they left off at. You remember that with Barnabas? He didn't choose him. Who did he choose? Timothy. He chose Timothy. Does this speak volumes to the character, to the person, to, relation, to the relationship that Timothy had with his Lord? 
Absolutely, absolutely, you better believe it. So we're getting a better picture of who Timothy is, who this young man truly was. Verse 3, it says this, And he took him and he circumcised him. It just blows my mind. <laughs> Here they had a Jerusalem council with the apostles, with the elders, with the disciples, Peter and Paul and John and all of them, James, they're at the Jerusalem council and they come to a conclusion after much debate and much talk. They come to a conclusion that justification is only to be had by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But now we see Paul, after this matter of circumcision is already settled... We see Paul bringing this thing up to Timothy. And it kind of throws a kink in everything. You're like, I just don't get it. Why would he do that? Why would he just... Why does he care so much? He's going to the Jews, but why does he care so much? Why does he care what people think? Why does Paul care? Why does Timothy care? Because they knew that everything was on the line. And if he was to minister and to be effective to the Jewish people, then this was a necessary step. The church ruled that it wasn't necessary for salvation. The church ruled that it, was, it, it wasn't, you didn't have to be under that yoke of bondage anymore. But there were still people, and there would continue to be people in this area of Galatia that would continue to adhere to the law even though they were set free from it. So Paul, so Paul is wanting Timothy to be circumcised. Paul knew and Timothy knew as well that if Timothy went into a predominantly Jewish place or places... Timothy wouldn't be welcome, Silas wouldn't be welcome, and Paul wouldn't be welcome. So is he being circumcised for justification? By no means. By no means, not at all. This would continue to be a problem in the church of Galatia as it would in the surrounding churches for years. I'm going to get to that here in just a moment. What's taking place here by Timothy? We're still on who he is. What's taking place by him? Timothy is completely giving himself over to the work of the gospel. This is what he's doing. He is completely giving himself over to the work of the kingdom of God to spread the gospel. This young man makes us all look bad. Because not only is he giving up his time, not only is he giving up his family, he is giving up his body, he is giving up his life to go with Paul and to go with Silas so that he may be a chosen instrument to share the gospel. When was the last time that you saw this in this day and age? This commitment. Timothy 
is a willing and humble servant that will do whatever he can for the kingdom of God. Whatever he can. Even if it meant being circumcised so that the Jews would hear Paul, Silas, and himself. You talk about selfless. This man was selfless. He didn't want to be a stumbling block. He cared what people thought. He cared about his name. He didn't want to be a stumbling block. Timothy was doing exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 9 teaches us. And I'm going to read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You can turn there. You don't have to. But I want you to hear what the Word of God says. I want you to pay attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 22. Paul says this. He writes to the Corinthians. And this is what Timothy was doing. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Jesus did that, didn't he? Paul did that. Timothy is doing that. That I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. This is exactly what Timothy is doing and Paul and Silas. This is what they are doing as they go into the region of Galatia. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. So he does whatever he can to win those under the law. He does whatever he can to win those outside of the law. He does whatever he can to win the weak, to win the strong, to win those that are smart, to win those that are simple. Paul becomes all things to all people in order that he may win some for the gospel. And this is exactly what Timothy is doing. Timothy didn't want to be a stumbling block. He was going to follow the apostle Paul. To the weak I become weak that I might win the weak. I have become, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Do we see the heart that Timothy had? He was a man that was giving up everything to serve Jesus. To serve Jesus. And we got to ask ourselves the questions. Are we disciples of Christ? Do we learn and receive wisdom from the circumstances that are around us, whether they're bad or good? You know, Timothy came up and he probably had a home that was... Probably pretty contentious. Anytime you have a believer and a non-believer, it can get pretty hot. Anytime you have two believers, it can get pretty hot. Imagine one of them not. So he grew up in these situations and there was a lot that he could, he could learn. Kind of like Solomon who... I preached on this the other day, who passed by a field that was broken down and destroyed and the, and the wall was, was busted and the ground was grown over with thorns and thistles and nettles. And Solomon stopped and looked at this bad situation. He said, I considered it well. I received instruction, a little folding of the hands, a little turning over and rolling back to sleep will bring about destruction. Here we have Timothy and he's looking at these different things. 
This man was doing everything that he could to serve the Lord. He saw these instances with his parents. He saw the different things that was going on in the churches. So he was receiving wisdom. Then we see that he was of good report among the church of the living God. He had a good report with them. And finally, he became all things to all people so that people could be saved. We have people in our homes, just in the people that are here right now, that have never made professions of faith that, that maybe don't care. I, I don't, I don't know, really know what it is. They're just lost. We should be doing everything that we can to minister to them in the home and in the local assembly in the building in the church right here. Whatever we can. Timothy did. Paul did. The Lord calls us to do that. Now, I said all that. I've got, I want to try to get out of here by 12 and I've got just a page left. So please bear with me because I don't want to try to pick this back up. Um, I want to go ahead and finish. Timothy had a willingness to serve Jesus. Timothy did whatever he could to show the Jews that he was serving Jesus, that he was legit. He had an attitude and love that was of Christ. And the Lord has called each of us to that. I believe each of us here today need to refocus our hearts on the Lord. Each one of us. As our society begins to go by the wayside, as the church begins to seem to kind of dwindle, I think each and every one of us would do good to refocus our hearts on Jesus and on His work. I know that this is extremely uh, hard to hear, but we have to. We have to. Verse 4 and verse 5, listen to what it says. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. What were they teaching and what were they preaching? Well, they were going through what they had just learned at the Jerusalem Council. This is what they were giving to the churches. And what is that? I'll tell you. Justification is only obtained in the Lord by His grace, through faith, and that is not of ourselves. It's not of ourselves. Or any type of working of the law. We have to understand that. We know that that issue of circumcision, it, it points to a, to a much greater issue of, of working anything by the hands or, or working the law to try to obtain salvation, and it just doesn't work. It's only by grace through faith. 
We know that this, however, continued to be a problem in the church of Galatia because the Apostle Paul wrote an extensive letter to them explaining to them that they were wrong. Admonishing them, encouraging them, exhorting them to not be bound again by the workings of the law. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read it to you. I'm glad that you asked. Galatians 5, 1 through 6. It says this, and I want you to pay attention because this is what they were teaching. This is what they were preaching. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And this is what I want us to see, that if Christ Jesus has set us free, then we are free indeed. Not to be brought back down into a yoke of slavery, into bondage. He set us free. It says, therefore, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Remember, this was in the region of Iconia, Lystra, and Derba. This is what Paul writes to this region, to this church. He says, Christ has set us firm, stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. There are so many people that have been delivered by the blood of Christ. So many people that have trusted by faith in the living God for salvation, but yet they take back on a yoke of slavery. And they're bound to it even to this day. They're bound to keep that yoke up. They're bound to try to do it and to try to fulfill it, but to no avail. They can't work it. So they're left disappointed. They're left discouraged. And they're left beat down. And this is exactly what the law does. It beats us down. This is what they were teaching. This is what they were preaching. Listen to the rest of it. It says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged or obligated to keep the whole law. So there's bondage in it. He says you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For, for, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of Righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But our faith working through love. Paul, Timothy. This is what they were preaching. This is what they were teaching. It continued to be a problem in the church. In this region and in other regions. Timothy took great pains and efforts. He went, he undergone all sorts of things for the kingdom of God. So that deliverance could be shared clearly to those that were in bondage to the workings of the law so that people could be set free from that yoke of slavery. Timothy was a man after God's own heart, was he not? 
He did this so people could be set free, not being bound to anyone or anything but Christ Jesus and His love. This is what Timothy did. This is what Paul was doing. This is what Silas was doing. We have that same freedom today. The Scriptures teach us that if Christ Jesus has set us free, then we are free indeed. And I am thankful that Timothy represented, and he was a beautiful picture of that love and that sacrifice to willingly give up all that he was to show that there was freedom in Christ Jesus, even though he went under the knife in order that he may show and preach freedom in Christ Jesus. And I thank him for his work today. I thank Paul for his work today and for Silas and even Barnabas and Mark for the men that went before us as living sacrifices in order that we may have the truth so that we don't go back into the bondage that we've been delivered from. I praise the Lord and I thank Him for that today. Amen? Let's stop right there. Let's pray.